We hold these truths to be self-evident. For enemies dare to strike us, they and all who have aided them will face fearful consequences. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The eyes of the world are upon you. You will bring about the destruction of the German war machine. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Hello, welcome. How you guys doing? Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Welcome over here to the channel. If you guys are new to the channel, hey, thanks for subscribing. We've done pretty, we've done pretty well when it comes to growth on the channel. I'm not, I'm not going to complain. I do recall back when I was first starting Lunkers TV, the growth on the channel. Well, I mean, it wasn't nearly as good as it is on this one out the gate. I mean, it took me like six months to make a paycheck, and this time we get to at least uh, we got to put in for monetization on the new channel. No idea if it's if it's actually going to come through because. They could deem us as too controversial for all I know. I have no idea, but it is kind of cool that we're actually able to put in for it. So thank you to everybody who was went over there and subscribed. We'll actually see if anything comes of that. So a lot of people are going to be talking about the whole Facebook thing. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's not super shocking to me. It shouldn't be shocking to anybody, honestly. It really shouldn't. We all know that social media platforms pretty much all around little scale, they all pretty much have a negative effect on human beings in general. They do. And I, it's kind of funny I say this, and I live and work, and breathe. Everything I do is on social media, and I know that social media has a big factor on people's, uh, the way they believe, what they do, how they think, the things they, they do every single day, what they buy, what they spend. The world goes around now just on social media in general, and this is not really too shocking. There was a whistleblower that came out with Facebook. I mean, let's be real. None of this is really that shocking. Her name was uh, Frances Hagen. Sorry if I jacked up your name. I, I'm not really good at with last names, apparently, especially when they're a little different like this. She was a product manager at Facebook's civic misinformation team. So she was a part of this misinformation team, which, I mean, it is what it is. That, that, that's what she, her job was. So she became increasingly alarmed by the choices the company was making, prioritizing their own profits over public safety. So this is one I, I want to say right now, that this is not really a, a massive thing for being a whistleblower. I mean, let's be real. They prioritize their own profits over public safety. They're a publicly traded company. Like, what, what did she try to whistleblow here? Like, let's, let's be honest. You just, I mean, it's just you say it how it is. It's, they're a publicly traded company. They don't make any profits. They don't make any money. Just like any other company in this world. Except for this time, they have to actually answer to people. The shareholders. <laughs> so, anyway, she uh, she goes and says that they put people's life at risk. I don't really know entirely you can hold Facebook accountable for that. They're basically just a giant public forum for people to post stuff. But at the same time, they also uh, delete a whole bunch of stuff off of off, off the internet. So are they really actually a public forum for people to post anything they want? If they were, you can get away with posting just about anything, which we know that's not the case. So the question is, and always is, will advertisers and investors care anything about this? No, they will not. They won't care a single bit. And if they do, it's only for one reason. It's to drive down the prices of the advertising cost. They're going to pull if they like just like they did a couple of years back with Facebook or excuse me with YouTube. They'll pull their money. It will then make YouTube bow down to what they are not YouTube but uh, Facebook in the sense bow down to what they're trying to get them to do, which will then decrease the advertising cost and will put more regulations as to what their ads are being shown and to who. So then they can actually target you even more. When it comes to the demographic, they're actually looking forward to target. It's, I didn't really actually think I wanted to speak on this, but it's 
I feel like I've been living in this, this market for so long, social media world. I kind of understand how it works, especially when it comes to when advertisers come to me for Lunkers TV and they talk about how, how to, or not how to promote, uh, who they want to promote to and what demographic they want to promote to. They always ask for your, for your analytics. And I have a very large male audience. I mean, this podcast alone is like almost 99% male. And a lot of people think it's kind of funny that Guggen is all that I always read these comments, especially back in the day when like, oh, well, you only get your mom and your dad's or your, or excuse me, you have your uh, following, get their moms and dads to buy the, the products. When in fact, people don't even know this. I've never even said this before, but like Guggen's main following is like 70% is uh, 20, well, it's 18 to 35, but the majority of it was like 23 to 35. A lot of people didn't even realize that. They always thought that they were like 17 and under were the main core audience. Well, when in fact, it's actually main audience is 18 to 35. So I don't know where I was going with this, but I was just kind of explaining, no, it's not going to do anything. It's actually going to be good for the advertisers and investors aren't going to go anywhere because they know that in the end, Facebook's always going to have tons and tons and tons of profits. That's all anything investor cares about. Myself, if I invest in something, guess what I care about? How much money am I going to make? What's my ROI? For you that don't understand that, return on investment. How long does it take? Is it going to be 36, 24, 12? What's my X? What's the multiplier? I mean, I can go on to days and days and days on this. Standpoint, this is, this is on 60 Minutes. I mean, I don't find it really that interesting, but it's like the only thing the news is talking about right now. So I thought I would at least touch on it since I literally live in this virtual world. And so do you because you're sitting here listening and or watching. Uh, it goes on to say, so there was conflict interest between what was a good for the public and what was good for Facebook. And Facebook over and over again chose to optimize for its own interests like making more money. See, this is this is why to me this is so biased when it comes to if you're a whistleblower and you come out, at least have something good, like something that's going to like change, make, make some sort of change. This is not going to change anything. And the reason why I say this is because we all know that it's a public company. It literally, it's a public company. So their own interest is going to be making money. Like you're not really whistleblowing anything. You're like, it's like. I, 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 can't, I can't even make a reference for it because it's so stupid because any kind of company is going to come out and say, yes, we're trying to make money. Every company wants to make money. Any company that's it's literally – every company on earth actually is here for profit. <laughs> think about it. Like There's not very many nonprofit companies that I could possibly think of. So she goes on to say that Facebook has realized that if they change the algorithm to be safer, people will spend less time on the site. They'll click on less ads. They'll make less money. Okay, so I want to ask her, what is her actual agenda here? Because the only site that's actually talking about this is CNN currently. Um, Fox, they, they, they brought it up for like 13 seconds. So there has to be agenda behind this. And the only thing that I keep seeing over and over again within these articles is they talk about big corporations and how much money they make. So what are they talking about right now? How uh, on, They're trying to pass some bills. And the only reason why I can think of that they're actually pushing this agenda as of right now and why it's actually being talked about is because she talks about how much money these corporations are making. And they're talking about raising the taxes on big corporations, 5%. Like, let's just, I mean, you could kind of put two and two together here. The only thing they talk about within this article is how much money Facebook makes. Who gives a, who gives a fuck how much Facebook makes? That, they, they, they make that much money because they do a good thing. And the good thing is their job. They know how to get ads in front of the consumer that they're trying to sell ads for. That's what they do. That's what their job is to consume as much people's time on top on their platform to see these ads, to get them to click on these ads. That's how they can make money. So why wouldn't they, why would they change their algorithm to make it to where someone is not going to want to stay on their platform and or sift through ads? That's how these, that's how Google makes these money. That's how, that's how Google, if you watch on YouTube, I, you haven't seen any ads on this channel, but say on Lunkers TV, that's how us as creators make money and that's how Google makes money. 
is by servicing or servicing ads to you, the consumer, that are literally based off of what you've searched. Those ads, I don't put those in the videos. Facebook, I'm going to say right now, they don't service those ads. Essentially, they're automated. They're automated on what you search and what you're looking at and what you're doing on your search history. You, the person who's listening to this, that's how it, that's how it works. All right. There's a life lesson on big tech coming from me who literally lives in big tech for, for now. God, I don't know, six, six some years now. I don't even, I mean, think about all the companies we built inside the fishing industry. This is a good piece. I mean, think about it like this. Internet is, is so crazy now. Uh, when it comes to internet marketing and strategy and stuff like that. A lot of people always ask me how to grow a successful business. And I always say, I don't know, just work your ass off. I mean, that is kind of true to a certain extent, but you got to surround yourself with really, really, really intelligent people at the same time. Cause I'm really not as intelligent as, as people put me off to be. I'm really not. I'm just a normal human being. I surround myself with really intelligent people. Okay. But when it comes to like building a business, say Guggen, for example, we built it solely off of social media marketing. The entire company was built off social media marketing. That's it. The entire brand was built off of that. Like we didn't, we didn't, we never once had paid for an entire marketing dollar, oddly enough, up until a couple of years ago. But we, we just use social media influence when it comes to YouTube and such, like ourselves. So, and the audience, of course, uh, y'all that are listening to this podcast or just in general, that's, that's, you guys were the consumers and grown to love the product because it's a real product. And then we were able to expand it into 18 some thousand stores or 19,000 stores now. Oddly enough, now the brain is actually bigger than the individuals that were ever involved. There you go. Life lesson on social media marketing 101. I know. I felt like we kind of started this one kind of on a lighter foot. It's kind of interesting for some of y'all who are trying to... Everybody's always trying to grow a business and or be an entrepreneur in some sport. And I don't believe you need to go to college for that. But the thing is, if you don't go to college, you can't mate. So... <laughs> if you, uh, seriously, if you're, if you're in college right now and you're trying to go for business school... I, I don't want to tell you it's the biggest waste of your time, but I, I don't believe it's it's worth your time. I don't know. It's it's going to be hard for me because I'm going to give my daughter or my kids, if I have any more kids, I'm going to give them a couple op- options. I'll either pay for college, which is fine. I'll give you enough money to go to college, which here in Texas, oddly enough, my kids go to school for free anyway just because I'm a disabled veteran. We'll just say I'll give them enough. I'll set aside enough money to go to college and or give them a chance to invest in themselves and grow a business. But for that to happen, they have to actually have a business plan and understanding, which at at that young age, it took me until about mid twenties to really understand business. I had to fail a few times. Even to this day, I still fail. I don't think people realize. I mean, I still, I made a a pretty big uh, investment into something here recently and actually lost my 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 ass on. But I don't think a lot of people see that when it comes to when they talk about entrepreneurs. They're like, oh, they only see the successes. Well, they forgot about all the failures. There's a lot of failing that happens before you succeed. And sometimes I have to actually remind myself that while I'm doing things, I'm so, I'm so used to succeeding in the military, I succeeded like way above my peers, but then I got injured and I got out and I started succeeding with civilian life. And then sometimes you, you kind of stumble and I, I have to remind myself at times, oh man, I am human and I will fuck up and I will fail. So anyway, the U.S. is turning a corner on its first fight when it comes to COVID-19 apparently is what Fauci is saying. And we all know that Fauci, he's really good on camera. He loves to just sit there and have a chit-chat. I don't know what the f*** Fauci would be doing if there wasn't COVID-19, to be honest. I really wouldn't. I don't even know what the fuck he did before. I don't think anybody did. Uh, I guess he tried to fight the AIDS pandemic or whatever back in uh, the 80s. Ended up uh, being about the same as this one. They tried to find a cure. They didn't find a cure. So now they're coming out with stuff to prevent it, in a sense. So, 
The U.S. is averaging 107,000 new infections every day, which is down from 150,000 just last month. Rates of hospitalizations and deaths have also been on the decline. So I bring this up because they're talking about Christmas. No one wants to met. Don't mess with my Christmas. My Christmas is great. I love eating me some cookies, some eggnog, some milk. I actually don't eat cookies with my eggnog. I like to drink my eggnog by itself. But I eat the shit out of some cookies and milk. I ain't gonna lie. But he goes on to state that the way to keep this down is to make a turnaround and to continue to, to continue to go down is to get people vaccinated. We have currently apparently 70 million people in this country who are eligible to be vaccinated and who are not yet vaccinated. That's the danger zone. The fucking danger zone, Mr. Fauci says. You 70 million people out there, I'm sure some of you guys are listening to this, you are the danger zone, apparently to the ones who are vaccinated. I haven't been able to figure out this, neither have they been able to explain this to anybody, as to why an unvaccinated person is deadly to a vaccinated person. Why I say this, because we have these huge stadiums that are full of people that don't have masks on, and yet they're talking about taking away your Christmas. Fauci told CBS Face the Nation that it is too early to tell when this holiday season will be safe for times for people to gather, for Americans to gather. That's what I'm saying. Isn't that kind of goofy? Is this another fear-mongering step for the the administration to try to implement sticking people with the needle? I want to go on to say this right now. If you're new, yes, I've got the vaccination. I've got Moderna. I've had it. Uh, I also had COVID-19 as well. I've had them both, I guess. So I don't know what that does for me being against getting the virus. I have no idea. But if he's going to say this about the Christmases and such, why didn't he come out and was like, you know what? Those award ceremonies, you know, the what was it, what, the Globe and Globes or – I don't even know which one wants because no one really gives a shit about them. Uh, the ones where all the people in Hollywood to get sit together. Why didn't you say anything about them or the Met Gala, who no one had mask on whatsoever there? What's the difference between the Met Gala and you, the consumer of this content right now, the average American sitting at your house? What is the difference between you and the Met Gala people sitting at your house? That's goofy. So attending gatherings to celebrate events and holidays increase your risk of getting and spreading COVID-19. The safest way to celebrate is virtually with people who live with you or outside or at least six feet apart from others. Oh, man. This is why it's they're having so much trouble with getting people to get the vaccine. It's because they say like this. I don't, I don't, I, and this goes back to this whole hesitancy that they keep bringing up. People wouldn't be hesitant to get the vaccine if they would just say these, these fine little words right here. This is all they would have to say. If you have the vaccine, you don't have to worry about the unvaccinated. You don't have to worry about getting sick. If they said that, I think their numbers would tremendously rise. Let's just be honest. They're, they're fighting this fight, an uphill battle with people not getting it. And just like they have these pills that came out, there's promising pills that came out that shouldn't deter people from getting the vaccination. So there's pills that are coming out, which are, are great. They're just a way for you to, to not die if you don't have the vaccine, I guess. You could take them every day. I haven't really looked into them, but apparently Merck has announced that they have created an antiviral pill that can reduce COVID-19 hospitalizations and death by 50%, according to their data. So you could take a pill. You don't have to get the vaccine. Some people can't get the vaccines, apparently, due to religious re- reasons. I don't, I don't know what those religious reasons would be, but... It is what it is, and it's America, and you're free to, to do whatever you want when it comes to religion. This country wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for that case. So Fauci does go on to say that it decreased the risk, the pill did, of hospitalizations and death by 50%. He goes, you know the way to decrease the risk by 100%? Don't get infected in the first place. And this is when I go on to say, if the vaccine is so effective, then why do people have to worry? 
I feel like sometimes we're talking in circles with this COVID-19. Like it's a never-ending cycle, circus. I, f- I feel like I'm on a, a ride on The Simpsons. Just going. I don't even watch The Simpsons. That's the first thing that popped in my head was a merry-go-round of the fucking Simpsons. It's going in circle. So as for those that are relying on previous infections to protect them from getting COVID-19 again. So this is a new study that came out. So everybody's aware. There's a new study out for all of you guys and gals that are out there that say, well, I don't need to get the shots because I've been already infected and I've survived COVID-19. Reinfections can reasonably happen in three months or less. So if you've been infected, you've recovered. Within three months, you can actually get reinfected. Therefore, those who have been naturally infected should get vaccinated because previous infections alone can offer very little long-term protection against subsequent infections. What this is saying is your body's natural immunity to fend off a virus isn't as capable of fending off a virus that's been not naturally built and injected. It's so weird. Is that not kind of strange to put it like that? Like your body's natural immunity is not nearly as powerful as a vaccine that they shoved in. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like when you say stuff like that, it almost seems, I don't know. Anyway, does it really matter at this point? I don't know what the fuck, why are we talking about this, Charles? Why, do I, why do we even talk about it? You know why? Because this is what they're talking about. It's what people are talking about. So I got to bring it up. But I feel like it's just the same shit over and over and over again. But uh, I will say this is kind of an interesting one. A lot of people probably don't know this, so I'm going to bring it up. But um, you guys know New, New Zealand. Everybody knows New Zealand. It's islands. Yeah, it's, it's a country. But it's, it's, I guess if you think about it, every country is really an island. Some are just bigger than others. But New Zealand uh, admits that it can no longer get rid of coronavirus. So this is something that we've, I, th- I thought the entire world has known, that there's absolutely no way. This is something you have to live with. I thought the entire world knew about this. I didn't, I didn't realize there were still countries that are just chilling, thinking that they can stop the coronavirus. They acknowledge this Monday, by the way, that it can no longer completely get rid of it. So despite New Zealand going into the strictest form of lockdown just after a single, a single, single local case, one, uh, it ultimately apparently wasn't able to crush it. They, they would get one local case, lock everything down. I didn't realize that they were still in lockdown. I don't think my camera guy, no, I think anybody has, I didn't even know this. I'm sorry, I have no idea. So under the plan that starts Tuesday, so tomorrow, uh, Aucklanders, Aucklanders, will be able to meet outdoors with loved ones from from another house. Early childhood centers will reopen and people will be able to get to the beach. I had no, I'm sorry, I had no idea that New Zealand was still under, I mean, this strict of a lockdown. I think it's been uh, 20 months or so since this has started. Holy shit, I could not imagine the anxiety some of those people have by sitting inside their house for whatever they've been doing. How do, how do they even... How do they even go about your day? I have no idea. If you guys did not know this, there's also a massive surge of the border that could be possible here. If this COVID restriction that is going, why are we still talking about this? We're still on to this thing, but this is a little bit different at least. Uh, U.S. officials are quietly preparing for what they think could be the biggest surge in traffic at the southern border in decades if the COVID restriction that has been blocking most of the migrants for almost two years is lifted Thursday. So if you guys do not know this, Trump instated something basically blocking anybody from coming in due to... Um, the rise of infections, the rate that they were trying to block at the border by having people come over that were unvaccinated, which is not a crazy thing to think about. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, as you guys do know, works down there at the Border Patrol, been on the news quite a bit here lately, asked whether the department was prepared for the worst case scenario in which 350,000 to 400,000 migrants crossed the border in October, according to DHS. So that could be a uh, 
a whopper, absolute whopper. That number would be uh, double the 21-year high, which was also hit this past July, which was, as we do know, 210,000. So the the 21-year high was this last July. Well, that's kind of a that kind of has a ring to it. And now we're preparing to apparently maybe double that. So it is meant to prepare the agency for what could be an overwhelming number of migrants who cross the uh, cross the border if the court order that lifts COVID restrictions, known as Title 42, is takes to end uh, this Thursday, I believe is what it said. So if Title 42 ends, then we are pretty much going to have to deal with uh, some, well, not some, could be a significant amount. So under Title 42, the Trump administration blocked most asylum seekers that were trying to get into the United States. It did not matter what their nationality was, like whatsoever. He was going to turn them back into, uh, back into Mexico regardless of that. He was going to send them back. That's because of Title 42, and Biden kept it, and they got repealed, I guess, and whatever. If it, does, if it happens, I guess at the end of the week, we're going to find out if the surge can ha- handle it, but I don't think that's going to happen because Biden's numbers have taken such a massive hit in the polls due to his handling of the coronavirus, not essentially that entirely, but mostly Afghanistan and then the border all at one time. I don't think he can take, or I don't think he could sustain Another one. And right now, if this bill doesn't pass, which I'm not going to talk about the bill, I'm not going to do it. There's actually two. I'm not going to talk about them at all because by the end of the week, I'm sure something will come up. But as of right now, it's not happening. So, and if that doesn't happen, pretty much the administration is probably going to take the worst beating they've ever had in 22. And it's going to be pretty terrible for them, honestly. So we'll kick it back over here to good old-fashioned America. Yes, we really haven't left America, but we're going we're gonna to continue on here. Georgia police said a black woman poses KKK. This is kind of strange, and it's also true. I want to throw this out there. There was a right-wing guy that was part of the Boogaloo movement. He was a Texas man, 24 admits to shooting Minneapolis police stations during riots. So during the BLM riots, this guy apparently went and decided he was going to shoot up police stations, posing as BLM, and I, I don't really exactly know where that was going to get anybody but maybe he was just trying to get police officers pissed off at blm members is pretty much what i can get at the same thing that this lady was trying to do apparently in georgia this is to me is kind of psychotic in a sense actually not in a sense it really is actually psychotic so she's a black woman in georgia who claimed to be a white male member of the kkk and she's been charged with making terroristic threats to her neighbors this is weird and very strange i don't know what kind of person that's this is deranged that she uh, had to do this, but she was accused of placing notes in mailboxes of residents in Brookman neighborhood in Douglasville on at least six occasions, saying that she would burn down their homes and kill them. Very strange. These notes were sent to at least seven black people who lived in the neighborhood, and they discussed hanging people and killing children. Whoa. You cannot tell me that this person is not jacked up in the head. She described herself as a six-foot white man with long red beard and claimed she wasn't living in the neighborhood. Uh, okay. Well, resident of two home received Lucas's first notes in a few days before Christmas. Imagine getting that note before Christmas. It just so happens that it's your neighbor who's a 30 year old black lady that's claiming to be a six foot white man with a red beard. Very, very sure. Not Santa Claus, by the way, but a KKK member. And those notes are the ones that were threatening to burn down their houses and kill them and said that they also didn't belong in the neighborhood. I couldn't imagine me detective getting this and showing up and you're like, well, this is, this is kind of strange. We got no leads. But apparently they, they actually caught on to something, and there was a breakthrough in the case when she placed a note this last uh, last Labor Day. They found evidence linking her note to the Lucas house. I don't really know. It doesn't say on here what evidence they have. I'm sure they're not going to until after the case is over with. Uh, it's kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. That's one of the weirder things in America I have actually seen happen this, this in the last week. 
I don't know what, I mean, what really could that lady be thinking? And why isn't that covered on the news? That for sure wasn't covered on the news. You know why? Because it doesn't really meet any agenda whatsoever. I don't even know what site I found that on. I think I found it on Yahoo. I didn't even find it on a normal news company or news site. I do like this one though. This one actually is good for us here in America. So we pay our tax dollars. Our kids go to school in public schools. I don't care what state you're in. California, New York, Oregon, Washington, all those ones I generally give a lot of shit to. This one's actually good. This one comes out of Oregon. I've actually given Oregon quite a bit of shit over the last two weeks, mainly because the state is sucks in general when it comes to their handling of politics and just life. Like, honestly, to be honest, for the most part, I mean, I know some cool people live in Oregon. Like, born and raised is from Oregon. They're good guys. They're American as it can get. I mean, they're cool. Uh, but anyway, an Oregon school board on Tuesday has banned educators from displaying flags, certain kind of flags. Excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Uh, not American flags, but... BLM, and uh, this one is currently just talking about the pride flag. So we don't pay our teachers to push their political views on our students is what what it's saying. A teacher resigned in Missouri last month after he was told to remove a rainbow flag from his classroom and that he couldn't discuss sexual preference at school. Now, I believe this 100%. Like, you shouldn't be a teacher. Like, I shouldn't be sending my kids to a classroom that I pay for. I know I pay enough in taxes to pay for all the school's Actually, to be honest with you, the school my daughter goes to, I probably pay for enough taxes to cover all of the staffing and the bills of the damn school, to be honest with you. So I shouldn't be sending my kid to the school and they'd sit here and talk about the rainbow rainbow flag stuff and pushing a sexual preference on my six-year-old. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the way I look at it. If I'm paying taxes, you're paying taxes. The taxpayer themselves is paying taxes. That should not be an agenda of anybody inside the classroom. You have a curriculum to teach from. You teach from the curriculum. You don't teach from whatever the fuck is going on inside of your head. That's, that's not within that curriculum. Like say your pride flag. I don't understand that. Why is that so hard for people to understand? Or do you like, that's not your place to do it. If you want to go stand on the corner, hold your flag in a microphone, by all means, fucking do it. I don't care. We don't do it in a classroom. That's literally funded by the public. Administrators have said that the LGBT, can we just say alphabet? Alphabet emblems are decisive and political. Alphabet students, parents, and teachers affected by the bands contend rules harm and vulnerable group of young people. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're angry and mad that they're removing a gay pride flag, you have a world of hurt coming for you inside of the real world. If your feelings are hurt because of a flag is being removed that literally has one purpose in life is to make you feel comfortable. If that's making you, you are in a fucking world of hurt when it comes to finding a job, making friends, making money, and or just being a normal civilian in everyday life. Cause not everybody in America or in this world gives a fuck about the gay pride flag. And they're not going to just bow down to you because you are a part of this very niche group of people. This gentleman, Victor, he's a 16 year old out of here. I think actually here in Texas, but feeling safe should not be political. And I, I, it's hard for me to understand this one. I don't, I don't care if, if you're gay, bi, non-baron. I don't, I don't really, I really honestly don't care. I just want you guys to really understand this. I don't care if you're gay or not. I don't, I don't, I really don't. I don't have a problem with gay people. I can associate and have a conversation with them the same as I can anybody else. It does. It literally does not bother me. I'm just trying to tell you guys, there's no need for it in the classrooms. Not one bit. And a lot of people are probably going to say that I'm homophobic for saying this. I'm not, I don't really, I don't care. I don't care what you do in your free time. This is not your free time. This is the only way. That, this is the way that I'm trying to portray and explain it to you guys. Your free time is not in the classroom. That's what you're being paid to do. You're not being paid to sit there and push your agenda on these kids. Just like when the 
come out this last couple of weeks over at Antifa in California. Thank God they actually pulled that out of there. That's the same thing with this. Like that's the same. It's not saying it's the same group of people, but what I'm saying is the same agenda behind it. Like it's a personal agenda. I'm going to stay on this for a second just because I want to talk about mental health, I guess. And Chelsea Schatz, she's 29 year old. She's a bisexual and she works at an elementary school as a behavioral interventionist in the school district. Uh, apparently up there in Oregon, I, I actually have to look up, I'm actually going to look this up because I have no idea what in the world a behavioral interventionist is. So I guess they must have changed the name since I was in school. I just thought they were counselors, but a behavioral interventionist works with a targeted group of individuals to eliminate disruptive and negative behaviors and replace them with positive behaviors and actions. I don't really exactly know what that entitled or that, that means, but I guess that's for troublemakers. They try to figure out how to change them. I guess I would have seen her a lot when I was in school, but she goes on to state that her, uh, that her mental health has deteriorated since the district introduced the policy over the summer. So you're telling me the lady that's in charge of basically counseling these kids, her mental health has deteriorated because they took the flags out of the school. I don't know if she should be mentoring kids in the first place on how they should behave if her mental health is deteriorating over a flag being removed out of a classroom. Oh, man. I could see this one probably getting me canceled quite a bit here because I think a lot of people are going to say that I'm coming out against gay people and whatnot, but I'm, I'm really not. I'm just trying to prove a point here. I guess hopefully it's been proven and I don't have to sit here and talk about it. But if your feelings are hurt due to a flag being removed out of a school, you're going to have a lot, a lot of problems in life, like a lot of problems. Like If this flag being removed out of a classroom and that's your safe space, you're not going to have this classroom for the rest of your life. You're going to have it for the next, what, half a year, one year. Then you move on to another classroom and guess what? They're not going to have that flag in there. Guess what? When you move out of there, they're not going to have that flag there either. It's I've, I don't, I don't really understand saying that it's a safe space for kids and whatnot when, in fact, when they leave that classroom for the rest of their life, they're only in this, this school district for, say, we'll say four, eight years inside this, this, this area, and then they're gone for the next 60. So I think it's basically just another, pers- another way for, for people to scream for the rooftop that something is wrong in America and they need to change it, which I don't know, maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just naive and don't see it. Okay, so the Navy, the U.S. Navy, our infamous Navy. Oh, man, bribery, scandals, love it. Go, Navy, go. A gentleman named Rafaf. This guy's name's pretty badass, actually. Rafarasi. God dang, I can't, I can't pronounce names. This one looks like they beat a damn keyboard off the wall. Rafasari, I'll just say that. And MLS have defrauded the Navy of at least $50 million by inflating invoices for port services between 2011 and 2018. $50 million she defrauded them. Whew. The MLS has billed the Navy for more than 231000 in Port Authority fees, even though the Port Authority fees were only $12,000. So, apparently, the Navy didn't really check into who was billing them, but they just paid the son of a guns. $231,000 for a port, port Authority fee. That's 100x from what uh, apparently was supposed to be. The arrest warrant alleges that he met with an unnamed U.S. Navy official at a diplomat hotel in Manana. Cool place. In August of 2015, handed over an envelope stuffed with 20K in cash, $20,000 of cold hard cash, and told the the officials, keep up the good work. So there was a U.S. official that was being paid by a gentleman, a little turd burglar over in a different country, to continue to do the good work. Here's 20 grand while I pocket 200,000. Love it. Love, love the gesture there. The guy is a hard worker. 
Can't even make a joke behind it because the guy literally just found a way to get by on the government. And then apparently he's not going to be able to be extradited back here to the United States either. So three years later, I guess, in a Miami hotel, the same gentleman passed another envelope to the same U.S. official that contained $13,500. Who in the world is a U.S. official that's going to go on and do this for $13,500? I know that may seem like a lot of money to y'all, but $13,500 in the grand scheme of things in your entire life is literally nothing. Like if you were to get it all at once, yes, that's a lot of money. Thirteen grand, a lot of money. Here you go. Take taxes out or whatnot. Now you're left, we'll say roughly 10. So you have 10,000 bucks. What are you going to do with that? You can't do much. Let's be honest. If you invest it, you're not going to make much on that either. Even if you make 10%, you only made a grand. What are you going to do with an extra thousand? Now you have 11,000. Holy shit. And now this guy's risking his entire life for that? Oh my God. I don't know. But apparently he has, uh, he's not going to get in trouble for it because he came out as a, uh, a witness to it and they're trying to get the main guy behind it. But the funny thing is they're not going to get him extradited back to the United States because he lives in UAE and they don't, they won't extradite back to the United States. The guy's pretty much just chilling over there, siphoned $50 million to the Naval from the Navy. And uh, it's just going to hang out and buy Lamborghinis. I don't know what, what a guy with that much money does. So this one, I find somewhat kind of, kind of funny in a sense that I, I've been saying it all along because remember last week they were on, they were all talking to the Congress and having a conversation pretty much with the generals and the secretary of defense and, and whatnot. They were asking questions about Afghanistan, the withdrawal, how much they messed it up and why they weren't at fault and who was at fault. And no one was at fault. Of course, no one was at fault and Al Qaeda is not there and whatnot. You know, you guys know all the bullshit they've been talking. Actually, the generals haven't been saying that the generals were honest and said that they had stated that, that no one should, we should have 2,500 troops there at all times. Al Qaeda is still there and so on and so forth. Biden has basically fed America this is honestly, he literally fed America a bunch of lies and he's not going to be held accountable for it because no one's even talking about it anymore. But this is a uh, Democrat out of Arizona, Ruben Gallego. He says, if they had asked any enlisted member among more than the 800,000 troops who served in Afghanistan over the last 20 years, the brass would have known that it is a bad bet to count on Afghan security forces to provide cover and time for the American withdrawal. We all know that this is the true. I've said this, I've said this, I've said this. If you ask any enlisted member any enlisted member doesn't matter of their age for the most part you're probably talking anybody under e7 actually you know what i'll say just about any enlisted personnel that's e7 or below that was actually in control of a platoon anybody above that it becomes more political at that in that sense even if you're enlisted you're just at that point you're a higher enlisted guy lower lower officers like lieutenants and so so forth or they probably would say the same thing but he wanted to know why U.S. intelligence appeared to be clueless on the lack of resistance put up by the Army trained and equipped by the United States that cost an estimated $83 billion. So he goes on and uh, he's asking the same questions that I've already stated that we all knew that they weren't going to be able to hold their own. We were trying to retreat essentially back to the United States, withdrawal, and we knew that they wouldn't hold up any sort of fight with the Taliban. So he said that after speaking with a lot of service members, enlisted service members that have served for decades in and out of Afghanistan, they were always telling me something extremely different from what I was getting from reports of many of, of the generals who he's talking to right then. That Afghan army was not ready and that we were not going to uh, be able to sustain their on their own. And the reason why that is, is because the generals, the lower enlisted, let's just say the lower enlisted in the military, they don't really have a say in anything that goes on. They're the ones that are doing all the, the dirty work, as you would essentially say. And the higher-ups, officers and NCOs, they either want... They have NCOERs and you have OERs. And those two things right there determine one's ability to get promoted. It's how you stand out from your peers. 
you think that one of the OER bolts or one of the NC OER bullets or whatever you want to say, how they're evaluated, do you think it's actually going to say something along the lines of this here job we've been doing in Afghanistan in the last eight months has been a total failure? It would look bad on them. They're not going to get promoted. Let's be real. So that's why they've been fed a whole bunch of bullshit for the last, say, 10 years or so. I would say probably going back to probably 2010-ish, 10, 11 years. It's always, I mean, let's be real. It's what it is. It is what it is. Too scared of hurting their own self-image and not getting promoted is pretty much the, the big issue. He goes on to say, so how do we miss that? He asked, uh, how is it that a lot of 18 and 19-year-olds in their mid-20s that were all E5s are predicting this, yet some of our greatest minds both on the civilian side and the uniform side absolutely miss this? It's exactly from what I just said. I mean, you have guys on the ground that actually do stuff, and then you have guys sitting as... A lot of you guys and gals who are listening to this who are never in the military don't understand. The ones that are actually doing shit on the ground are not officers. I don't know. I hate to admit this. Officers don't really do much in the military other than after they're captain. After they become captains, they don't really do very much. They don't. They do a lot of paper pushing, a significant amount of paper pushing. And I don't fault them for it. That's the job they chose. They're much more intelligent than I. They do make some strategic decisions when it comes to the overall picture. Like if you were to take a board, a map, and you put it on the wall, the officers pretty much, and the senior enlisted, this is the objective they're trying to meet. So you have a big picture that's going on, and all the little picture stuff to make that big picture happen happens by the people on the ground, the lower enlisted and the younger personnel, like the 18, 19, and mid-20s. So you have your, like your lower officers and your lower enlisted, like your E5, E6, E4 type people. <sighs> Man, it is kind of crazy. I feel like I'm always a couple weeks ahead of whatever they're talking about now. But I mean, hell, I said this maybe even in the first podcast. If you go back 25 podcasts ago, I bet you within that first podcast, I talk about we all knew that the failure of Afghanistan was going to happen. And this was literally a month later. They're like, oh, well, how'd you guys not see it? Well, how the fuck did you not see it for the last 20 years? I say not 20, but last 10, 10-ish. You guys also didn't know U.S. is apparently really concerned about China's provocative military activity. This is real. This is also something else that came out. The United States is very concerned by the People's Republic of China's provocative military activity near Taiwan. Yes. They go on to say that we urge Beijing to cease its military, diplomatic, and economic pressures against Taiwan. On Friday, China flew 38 military aircraft into Taiwan's airspace. On Saturday, they threw, uh, flew uh, another 30. So a State Department official came out and stated, we have been abiding interest in peace and stability across Taiwan Strait. We will continue to assist Taiwan in maintaining a sufficient self-defense capability. We will continue to stand with our friends and allies to advance our shared prosperity, security, and values and deepen our ties with the democratic Taiwan. With that being said, America apparently is coming out and stating that they're not going to let the Chinese uh, jack with Taiwan too much as they have been over the past, say, year. I think they've... 10x their their flights over Taiwan over the last year. I think they're just doing it, like I said before, they're doing a show of force, essentially what they're wanting to do. So we'll end it here on uh, three of my favorite articles they'll always talk about. The Taliban. Oh, God. So if you guys did not know, the Taliban is uh, not apparently to pay their bills. This is a real thing. Afghanistan's capital could plunge into darkness as winter sets because the country's new Taliban rulers haven't paid Central Asia's electric suppliers are resumed collecting money from consumers. So right now there's about to be tremendous outages come wintertime in, in Afghanistan due to the Taliban not knowing how to pay. They probably don't even know how to pay a bill. Let's be honest. They have absolutely no idea how to pay a bill. This is the truth. They have no idea how to even 
get on the internet, create a login and, and, and pay a bill. That's a thing. They can't. They've never had to do it. They live in the mountains with their flip-flops, run around herding goats and shooting innocent people. They have no idea how to pay a bill. So for the most part, their electricity gets imported from the surrounding countries, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and Turkmenistan. And they account for half of all Afghanistan's power consumption nationwide. And then, of course, Iran gives them the rest of the power for the West. So currently, uh, the power is abundant in Afghanistan right now, the capital. But that is because the Taliban is no longer attacking the transition lines from Central Asia. I don't know if you guys knew this thing. During the entire time we were over there, they would just attack their electrical. They don't have an electrical grid. They have like uh, water turbine type things. It's pretty much what they have. But there's been a drought in Afghanistan, so they have no way to create electricity. And that is where China is going to step in. You're correct. So there you go. China's going to. But actually, China's having their own problems right now with electricity. But yes, China is going to step in. So there's also a blasting that happened over uh, this weekend in, in Kabul. It was actually at a mosque, which is so crazy that they're blowing each other up at their mosques. Because when we were there, we could not attack any mosque whatsoever. If we would take fire from a mosque or around a mosque and they would drop their weapons and run into a mosque, we could not blow up the mosque. So now they're blowing up their own mosques. An explosion ripped through a crowd outside the entrance of a mosque in central Kabul on Sunday, leaving a number of people dead. That's from a senior Taliban spokesperson. So this is also kind of funny. A senior Taliban spokesperson posts on their Twitter about people getting blown up. Trump is posting through somebody else's Twitter because he's too scary for Americans to to read tweets from. So it was uh, not immediately clear how many people were killed and injured and attacked uh, in the the attack, but the explosion appeared to be targeting senior Taliban leadership. I have stated already that there is going to be a civil war there between ISIS and the Taliban, and it is already starting to come out just a tad bit after they decided to try to take over that country. In recent days, the Taliban have conducted several operations targeting ISIS-K militants, and the group claimed to have killed at least nine ISIS-K members and detained five others in two operations on Friday, targeting ISIS hideouts in the central Afghanistan province of Parwan. You have that going on. You have them actually doing active targeting of ISIS-K members, which I do not have a problem with. I don't. Let those two battle it out tooth and nail, fight over, like, I don't care. Kill each other as long as you want. Because in the end, it really helps us without having to go out and fight terrorism. It will make one of them stronger, and they will have a little bit more support from the civilian populace once we have to go back in there, which I'm going to say this right now, we're going to have to go back into Afghanistan. Like, let's be honest. I think it was three years after we left Iraq, we had to go back in there, and it wasn't nearly as strong of a force. It was more special operations fighting alongside Kurds in, in, in Iraq. That's what's going to happen in Afghanistan. So after that bombing happened, Taliban, of course, went on an offensive. The Taliban say they've destroyed the ISIS-K cell that was responsible for the deadly bombing on the mosque. So with that happening, you're literally just going to have one side. The way it's going to happen, take us right now, for the next two weeks, they're basically just going to attack on each other, attack on each other. One will blow each other up. One will set off a car bomb. Like Literally, it's all that's going to happen back and forth, back and forth. They have endless people. They're just going to keep pulling from their pool of people, and it's just going to continue to happen. The ISIS base was entirely destroyed, and all the ISIS members inside were killed as a result of the decisive and successful attack, is what Taliban has stated. The ISIS-K is actually, they came out and claimed responsibility for the bombing on Sunday, which no Taliban members were killed. So Taliban's coming out saying that they're going around and killing a bunch of ISIS-K members, and uh, I'm not really against it. So, Well, I hope you guys enjoy this video over here or this podcast this Monday 
evening or Monday morning or Monday afternoon, whatever you're listening to it, or Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, I don't care what, what day of the week it is. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Let's get that son of a gun started off right. I do love you guys, and I will see you guys tomorrow. See you.